At the heart of the story of Jesus' baptism in all four Gospels is the declaration that he is beloved of God. You, Jesus, are my beloved, says the voice. We don't know exactly what that experience was for Jesus, whether he became aware that he was loved during what was probably a ritual cleansing in preparation for some mighty act of God, or whether he knew himself loved over time and with hindsight and marked his baptism as a moment of particular awareness. We don't know what his experience was. We just know the testimony that he was beloved and that from then on he began to act and speak and live and teach with a kind of clarity of purpose taking increasing risks in an age of increasing conflict around him and his person, even to the point so much so that in the end he he must have come to the conclusion in the Garden of Gethsemane that breaking faith with that love that sustained him, that allowed him to do whatever he needed to do in the assurance that he was beloved of God, came to the conclusion in the Garden of Gethsemane that breaking faith with that love, that love that was the source of his being, breaking faith with that love was a fate worse than death. And so it is for each of us as we begin to discover that we are really and truly beloved of God. It's declared when each of us is baptized, you are beloved of God. We might be blessed with that awareness long before Baptism or during the sacrament itself, but for many, if not most of us, our ability to trust in God's grace and learning to put our trust in that love is a lifelong task. So being formed in Christian faith is really growing in trust for God's love. When we know ourselves loved, we can face anything that comes our way in life, any challenge. Whatever challenges you are facing today, and some of you are facing severe challenges, you can face them in the assurance that you are beloved of God. Last week, we heard a major presentation from the group that's been talking and praying about our future as a parish. And they think of us as a community that is centered on worship around this table, that we're formed for Christian faith through engaging with God and our neighbor, wherever we find our neighbor, our own family, or down the pew or across the world. We'll be sorting out what that means for our mission and priorities for years to come. But at the very least, it means the heart of what we do is done here around the table. We're formed for Christian faith. We are formed in the sense of growing in trust of God's love in many ways. We talk about the story, we hear it, we enact it, we gather around the table, we remember what really matters in life, and in many and various ways we choose, consciously choose, to engage with people other than ourselves, wherever we find them and whoever they are, whoever is different. So growing faith is not always easy, but it means growing in our ability to trust God's love, and so growing in our capacity to face the challenges of life with our own God-given resources gracefully and generously and fearlessly. That's what we're up to. And that's the story of our parish over the years since we were founded, as most of you know, or many of you know, as a Sunday school on the northern outskirts 
of what was to become this great city. It was very quick, 25, 30 years when we weren't on the outskirts anymore, but getting closer and closer to the center as the city moved further and further away. And so come the late 50s, early 60s, really early into our history, suddenly we're caught up in the middle of the struggles and the conflict and the, the battles around issues of civil rights, issues of people of color, place in the church, place in society, and, and we chose to stay in the middle of the city and engage, engage those issues, engage those people, and we did it when many of our friends were making other choices, when churches were moving out to suburbs, and we chose to stay and be engaged. That's who we have been, and we did it because we believed and discovered that in the process of engaging the other, we discovered not only God's love for them, whoever they may be, but also God's love for us. We learned to trust a little bit more that we are beloved, even in the midst of very difficult times. We're proud of our record, justly proud of our record during the civil rights movement, uh, with two of my predecessors signing the minister's manifesto and our embrace of the concerns of brothers and sisters of color. If you read it today, it's not very dramatic, but in those days, in times of extreme interpersonal conflict in the society and within this parish, it was very difficult. It's easy to forget with the passing of time how not everyone in the congregation was willing or able at that time and place in their lives to take the risk of engagement. Not everyone was willing at that point to defend their church to friends who were making different decisions or in fact resisting the very changes that we were embracing. Not everyone uh, decided to stay. There were plenty of brothers and sisters and friends in those days who left for a part of town that they felt was safer for them and their families. They did it out of whatever integrity uh, they could muster. But those who stayed, some of you, many of a generation who are finding it harder and harder to get to church now, learned something about God's love through engaging their neighbors. If you can hear that story told, it's written in our history, but if you can hear that story told by any of those people, uh, if you have the privilege of hearing it from them, take that opportunity and we'll see if we can create some opportunities for that to happen in the year to come. And so others of us have lived through changes in church and state with the same kind of desire for justice. And most recently, if you've been here in the last seven years or seven years ago, you've been involved in the conversation around the proper place of lesbian and gay people in the church. And you've lived through the, the movement in this parish from, from toleration and don't ask, don't tell, to positive affirmation of our friends as beloved children of God. And we know that the conversation is far from over in church and state, but largely behind us as a matter of heartache and as a matter of brokenness. But you can remember just six or seven years ago when things were very tense. We'd consecrated a gay bishop in New Hampshire, and we had people who found that they just couldn't deal with, with the conflict and the difficulty and the tensions. And many of our friends went to find safer or other places. The reasons are always complex, never straight line, but, but it was a difficult time. 
a difficult time. And particularly when, when we found ourselves and you found yourselves having to defend your church to your friends who didn't understand when you were trying to think through your own process yourself. Now look around and I see some of you who were leaders on the vestry in those days when we were making those decisions. And I see people who testify to the fact that that was an important time of spiritual growth when we looked one another in the eye and had honest conversations and told our stories and shared our experience and discovered something about God's love for everyone. Because if God loves you, God loves me. And if God loves me, God must love you. You are beloved of God. And we know something about engaging God and neighbor and choosing to engage the difficult and challenging path as a way for us, not for every church in Christendom, but for us to discover something about God's love. That's who we've been. And our strategic thinking leads us to think that's who we will be in the future. As surely as Jesus was declared beloved in baptism, so are all of us. And as much as Jesus was empowered to live with integrity in difficult, challenging times, even unto death, in the assurance of that love, so each of us can be so empowered as we discover the reality in times good and bad. Now this, I want to push it a little bit further. Because this desire to be a community centered in worship, growing in faith through engaging God and our neighbors, it's going to continue to shape our ministries in the future as it has in the past. But think about the past for just a second. We will continue in the future to choose what sometimes seems to be the harder way, always looking to increase our capacity to find within ourselves those God-given and within the people we serve, those God-given resources to meet the challenges of life in the assurance of God's love. That's different than seeking palliative care and trying to make the symptoms going away than trying to feel better in a cheap and easy way, a sort of quick fix kind of way. That's not what we're choosing. Think about that priority made manifest when Martha Stern led some of you through the very difficult and challenging choice to let go of our overnight shelter. The powerful ministry and witness, and we let it go, because it was beginning to seem as if it was just palliative care, a band-aid on a festering wound in our society, and said, no, instead, let's see if we can do something that allows people who are struggling to increase their capacity to respond to challenge. And so we have a life transformation ministry of covenant community, an extraordinary, graceful, powerful ministry in the lives of so many addicted and homeless men. Or think about threads. That's not just about saying, you need clothes, let me fix your need. Although meeting need is part of what we do, it's a way in part of letting our guests know something of the reality of God's love so that their own God-given resources can come into play. We know that children perform better in school when they feel better about themselves, and they feel better about themselves if they're dressed decently in relation to their peers. And so it's a way of just... In, without even making explicit it's about God's love, it's a way of, of, of jump-starting some of the, their own discovery of their own God-given resources. It is them who do better in school. Somehow they feel they can. These are the consequences of hard choices which we can do because we know ourselves beloved. And so as it was for Jesus, declared beloved at his baptism, so also for us, 
who desire to grow in our ability to trust God's love day by day and so grow in our capacity to meet the challenges of life when they come for us, of a life fully lived with integrity to the glory of God. And so as ever, let's take some time of silence to take this on board, to remember that we are beloved, to give thanks for all the ways, particularly in this community, where we um, are reminded and taught to trust in God's unspeakable love. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer, beloved. Beloved.